Hey, this is Bob in the Don't Die Podcast, brought to you by Ohana Fest down in Dana Point, and brought to you by Live Nation, bringing you concerts all over the world. It all begins with getting off drugs, people. Let's go out and live life. Get sober, get the right treatment for you, and stop dying. Stop dying, Mike. That's hey, our theme. I will. I have. Oh, my God. I'm all excited, and you're all calm and no, morning I'm, time. No, I'm really excited, man. I actually downloaded both of Josh's albums this I can't morning. believe this show is about to happen. That's how excited I am. I know, man. So awesome. We're about to talk to a very private citizen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so... So let's ra- let's tell about the la- what that last weekend was, Mike. Like so, let's let's go over it in real life, not some fake podcast version of what happened. All right, cool. So for two months, we've been sponsored by Ohana Fest and Live Nation, and so the Ohana Fest happened for the first time last weekend. Mike and I had been preparing for going down there. There was all elaborate plans. There was plans that i talked to smitty about about bringing my rv and parking it near the stage and we're all gonna hang out and it's all gonna be perfect it's gonna be this idealized just perfect weekend and what happened was a train wreck <laughs> well no really First off, only a- i didn't well let me explain first off i didn't call i was supposed to call somebody apparently was from an email two months ago about getting an rv pass you know me and emails mike not not the greatest are you still on hotmail <laughs> yeah hotmail <laughs> yes, i am on hotmail my friend that's good so <laughs> so so i didn't do what the simplest thing which is just respond to this person to get the rv pass and and so then I call on Thursday, like, what's happening with my RV parking spot? <laughs> they were like, what are you talking about? You were supposed to respond. You never responded. I, I was like, oh, God damn it. Well, I've got to have my RV because me and Mike are going to play outside the RV all weekend. We have this whole thing planned. And this girl just goes, not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I'm thinking we have all access pass. I get down there. Friday night, I saw Mike at the front gate. He was a little distraught. But I figure, well, Mike's got his own problems. So I get my passes. I I asked the girl at that computer, is this the best pass you can have? She says, that's the best pass you can have. (laughs) I said, thumbs up, baby. (laughs) We walk inside (laughs) and we go to the Something that's not the best pass. As soon as I got in the area, I knew this is not the best pass area. <laughs> and, and our guest today knows how I respond to not having the best pass Let ever. me run down my version, okay? <laughs> Let me run you down. You were my... out of your mind on Friday night. Don't well, lie. No, here, here's what happened. Here's, <laughs> it's insane. They had a rainstorm with lightning and everything that happened for like 10 minutes. It just blew everything up. Just fucking, I mean, as far as the guests, everybody had to pull the computers back, and I was right at the guest thing getting the thing. But I didn't know that you wanted all access. You have to get that through somebody special who is our special friend. And that's what they told me. And I thought you were taking care of your end because oh of gosh. Josh no. and everything well, like let's that. Let's introduce so, of our guest, the greatest kid ever, the, the star other than Eddie Vedder of the weekend. Just the greatest, funnest musician to watch, the kindest person that's at, I, I, just one of the greatest people I've ever known, Josh Klinghoffer is here. Oh. Josh, it is amazing, Josh, how much you have accomplished in your young life, man. I am fucking so, like, I wasn't even sober by the time. Thank you, Because Josh, for 25 years, has seen me lose my mind over things like passes, and parking passes, and oh, it just and nothing has changed. And it's just Mike and I, two old punk rockers, just can't seem to do things the right way so that <laughs> things go smoothly. What are you talking about? You got a podcast helping people not die. That's that's the right. That's doing things the right way. I say. But I, mean, I, 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 I still freak out the same way too. <laughs> it's so weird. I just do it. I just take it out on my steering wheel when no one's around. But you don't. You, I'm sure you're too busy listening to this podcast. We've been talking about the RV thing, and we were going to play every day outside my RV for oh, fucking man. months. 
And then I didn't. All I had to do was respond to an email to get a parking spot. But it's just so much trouble. No, but Bob, you're you're, you're so you're, you're great, and you 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 want to do everything for yourself, which is which I relate to too. You just have to get someone else to do it for you. Just have someone <laughs> well, else park, wait a minute, park wait a that, minute. Pop, I do. that RV. <laughs> Josh, I do have somebody else that's supposed to be helping with me with that stuff. It's Mike Mark. <laughs> <laughs> it was supposed to be me, I guess. <laughs> well, you always act like you have everything handled and you're not, you know, well, I, you don't need my help. So I'm, I'm one like, of those guys okay, that it, fine. As, as long as it's not this weekend, I don't worry about it. Like, I live day to day. I live one day at a time, Mike Mark. I, I don't live you. in the future i don't piss on the present you know maybe that's where i got it i don't know i mean must have got it from you because certainly not my fault i've always wanted to talk to josh about stuff that i for some reason or another we've just never talked about though we've talked about everything under the sun and that is josh grew up from a small very young age having AA slogans pounded into his head. Is this not correct, Josh? <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> I wouldn't say pounded into my head, but I was exposed to them. <laughs> yeah, the first, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, one day at a time, Josh, one day at a time. Yeah. Who would, wa- who would want to do drugs after hanging out with Bob Forrest in his worst <laughs> moments? As a young kid. <laughs> who would? Well, well I, you know, I miss Bob's courses. Uh, no, you, know, you did it. You think you did, but you didn't. I know I didn't, but I, I know I, I know. I, but I well, what I'm saying is that when we started, when we met and started playing together, you were less than a year. Yeah, I was. Uh, I was sober by then. But when we first met, somebody asked me because everybody asked how I know Josh Klinghoffer. And I tell this story. You and I went back and looked because I know my time frame because of when I was sober and then I relapsed and then I got sober. Finally, you, when we, when I first saw you, you were 15 years old by my recollection, recollection, you were going to be 16 in October, but it was the summer of 95. How, how old were you in summer of 95? Yeah. That's when I turned 16. Oh, 15, 15. Oh my God. He was 15 when I saw him and he came in the front door of Max Smith, my girlfriend's parents house that i was living in at 34 years old because i was such a loser (laughs) and we were lying saying we were sober and we weren't sober and josh came in the front door a loser anymore (laughs) oh yeah you can't use that word (laughs) no i just don't think that's bad (laughs) living at home (laughs) oh i know at 34 like at 34 i'd already been all around the world 10 times and owned my own home and had it taken by the IRS and rebuilt my life and destroyed it again. Yeah, there's a lot of 34-year-olds <laughs> just living at home. <laughs> but so he comes in the front door. And I don't know. Do you have this habit of knocking and then just opening a door? Is that what you did, Josh? No, do you remember? no, I do not. No, 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 I don't. You I just don't. Walk I hate in? when people do that. <laughs> did you just no. walk in? No, Brian must have told me to come in. The funny thing is oh. we didn't talk that day, right? We didn't actually we meet. We didn't talk. You asked if Brian was home, and I just said, I think so. I and then you just went this down the insane. hall to his bedroom. <laughs> because I don't remember this. I was telling Mark Cates yesterday, and I've just nodded along with this, but I do not remember this. Well, I, you're you're kind of hard to miss. Like you were, you had you had I the same good, style. I have a good memory. For you since then, <laughs> huh? Yeah, you since do. Then, but you, looked, you have that style, and I know because because addicts always remember exact things. Because I was on lookout because Max was, you know, doing something that I was supposed to be. I was not. I was not in the dining room or the little kitchen area just having a cup of coffee i was there posted out making sure that we didn't get caught (laughs) yeah 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 (laughs) so so and and when i when matt told me i said some kid went in your brother's room and she said that must be josh that's the kid i'm talking about he's an amazing drummer and i think her idea she was the other thing about rock and roll in the 80s is the spouses of people had great contributions to the bands and the music and the lyrics and the art and i think that that's kind of gone by the wayside casey nicoli had such a big part of jane's addiction jennifer 
uh, Jennifer, um, I forget her last name, was Anthony's girlfriend. The beginning of the Chili Peppers, the look of the Chili Peppers, Jennifer kind of had a major contribution to. And Max had such a major contribution in my life, lyrically, what things look like, what aesthetics. And she said, that kid's an amazing drummer. You should get that drummer. And at that time, I was thinking of getting Thelonious Monster back together. So, <laughs> like, you were going to replace Pete Weiss at 15 years old. I don't know if you're aware of this. <laughs> uh, best laid plans. Best laid plans. I, yeah, no. Say, I, I just, so I just don't think we spoke. If you were there, we didn't, we didn't talk. No, we didn't say, talk at all. Keep and look out. You were probably keeping to yourself. So that yeah, making I, sure I, you don't go into the bathroom where Max is doing her thing. Max? <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. I didn't even really know Max that well until a couple of years later. Until you guys lived on Descanso. That's when I right. met you properly. Ninety seven. So, but Brian's older than you, right? That's Brian Smith, yeah, uh, three, uh, her three, little brother. Three years. How we really met. Brian's, you never went to school in the same grade as Brian, right? I always associate you. No, we were at the same schools a few times, but he was three years older than me, three grades older than me. So probably at that time is when you guys are forming a friendship because you're both like music, music fan, you know, nerdy types, right? Yeah, and if it's 95, then that was like, the, like I guess, the summer before my final year of school. So I left school in 11th grade. So, uh, and I was about to get my license. I, I was, I, I was out of school. I was checked out of school in my mind. So, yeah, we were just hanging out and listening to music and smoking a lot. But I was excited <laughs> to talk to you because I've never asked you these questions. Were you planning on being a drummer? Because people don't know you're an amazing drummer. I mean, you may not be Chad Smith, but you're pretty fucking close, Josh. Were you going to be a drummer? Uh, I mean, I, I didn't put too much thought into it, but that's what I started as when I was nine. And then and then around that time, when I was 15, uh, I was leaving school pretty much at the next couple of months. And that's when I learned guitar pretty much. That's when I I was, you know it was too hard to be a drummer and I just wanted to write songs or, you know, start, start thinking about writing songs for, uh, which would, that journey would was take. Was it the hauling the drums around? <laughs> the hauling yeah. the drums around were too much trouble? Yeah, that. And just also just want, you know, I just wanted to play along to records. You know, I, I, you couldn't, couldn't, you know, be, I wanted to be uh, expressive with chords and, you know, I was starting to, play piano a little bit at, at home and i just you know I, drums were i mean i get i i'm still i'm saying i'm the same way i have a i have i have a level of um i, I reach a level where i i get um i do it all by ear and then i reach a level where it'll take um some real discipline to get better and i jump ship so that was, <laughs> so so that, that was master drums. wait there's a term for that like great at something, master of none. Jack of all <laughs> trades, master of none. <laughs> That's tattooed on my chest. Can I ask back then? Did you? Did, were I mean, were you influenced by like Nick Drake and uh, Alexander Spence and stuff? Right after that, I would say probably uh, Nick Drake. You know, Bob can tell you when that was. Probably there was a whole period where that was. But I remember Nick Drake. Um, buying and reading his the biography that was written on him in in like 98 that because i remember being back in new york and buying that book and reading it there so yeah 98 uh and that's when i was first starting to play guitar because i can hear that a lot in your music that uh, kind of a nick early nick you know what i mean like almost sometimes you listen to things when you're young and you start out and then you move on and stuff but that stuff stays so underneath everything you know it really has shaped the way you kind of sing a little bit it's, it's beautiful it's very beautiful thank you mike yeah oh yeah no thank yeah he i was elliot smith back then Nilsson too is who you remind me of and 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 that's for some reason Nilsson's become this forgotten person like he was so fucking great and, and then but he, in the yeah he, he was had like, am hits by the way that people forget about but when you mention Nilsson like people are like oh I don't know that because it hasn't been brought up in the uh what is the the website that that you know immortalizes everything uh you know, the, the, when the Internet first started being the driver of music promotion, there was some website and they just kind of whatever they were into, which was Nick Drake, 
um, uh, Nick Cave. Like there's certain people that these intelligentsia of rock criticism just choose and say, those are the guys. And then they're excluding so many great people. You know what I'm saying? Do you like Nilsson? You sound like him sometimes. Yeah, you know, Friday I'm gonna sound like him uh, in 1975. <laughs> nice, dude. <laughs> with a with a bottle of brandy, with a bottle of brandy. Is yeah, that what with, you're with, with about? like polyps on his vocal cords. I'm gonna course. be there, Josh, with my three daughters. One of them 17, 15, and like 13. And they're I'm just we're gonna be right there, man. They're gonna be so stoked. <laughs> Really I, I haven't met any of them. I, I, no, right? you will. No, you will. I don't think so. Yeah, yeah. Wow, that's insane. It's um, a Long Beach Irvine thing. How often do you get to Long Beach Irvine, that area? <laughs> <laughs> Last Ohana, two years ago, I stayed in Irvine. Right, right, right. <laughs> you know, right. Irvine gets, I, I joke a lot about Orange County on this show. Irvine, designed as the perfect city, by the way, has a lot of musicians that lived in it. Zach and Tom Morello lived in in Irvine. Did you know that? Yes. As kids. Yes. That's crazy. So the perfect community created this communist <laughs> radical anti-capitalism band. That's that's perfect. <laughs> right? Well, you got to have structure when you're a kid. You know, that's the most important thing. Right? The streets go in circles, Mike. You can't get out of there. You ever <laughs> Wait, thought of they that? They seem all square to me. Josh, have you ever been lost in Irvine? Have you ever been lost in Irvine? Oh, I just, uh, I didn't know if I, I don't know if I spent so much time in downtown Irvine. Is that where the circle <laughs> streets? No, the house, there is a downtown Irvine. The housingization of Irvine. Did someone design it so that if Irvine was ever attacked, the attackers <laughs> couldn't get out? Yes, too confusing. Like, like D.C. or like out. Paris. Yeah. yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh my God, that's well, great. Well, you, you went to Irvine Meadows as a kid. Oh, yeah. I'm so sad it's gone. Yeah, I did. And if I did. You, yeah, so sad. It, it got taken over to become a housing development. How perfect is that? Well, wait, was Lion Country Safari in Irvine? Yes, yes that Lion was right Country before Safari it. was there. Yeah. We're they had to get rid of that to, to create the perfect community. So, so uh, this any, Lion Country Safari poster. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> nice. And, and so, matching mugs. Oh my God! So Mike's, Mike's kids are protected behind the iron curtain, the yeah, orange curtain. Exactly. It's the way I like it. That's <laughs> the way Mike likes it. Yeah. So Zach and Tom are behind the iron curtain. So people, <laughs> there'll be half the, half our audience is like old sober people, so they're not going to know much about you. So I'm going to fill them in. So Josh was in a band with me when he was a young person, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen. Then. We had a falling out, and I've apologized, I think, officially two times. I could apologize a third time. You, I should you, have... know, you don't need to. We, we, were, we were back on the phone in, like, three weeks. I know. But anyways, it was the end of the band, and, and I, I rarely regret things, but I should have listened to you. But I was scared. When, and this is a theme about why people make mistakes in sobriety. I was scared. I had decided that, that you know, the future was was if I didn't do it right, the future was going to be disastrous. So I was only, you're right. I was only three years, two years sober when the bicycle thief was really going two years sober is not that long sober. Then three <laughs> years when things got weird and probably four years when you had quit and I tried to hold it together or whatever. But, um, but it was all fear. It was all, I remember now I can see it so clearly. I just thought, if the bicycle thief doesn't work out, if this record doesn't work out, it's the end of my life. If it's the <laughs> end of my life, I will use drugs again. So that's, I, I was just so desperate to make it work. I, it made it all inorganic and not natural. And you were just wanting to do the next thing and the next thing. And I was so frightened. I couldn't. That's really what it was, I think. Huh. And so we had a parting in the ways and right away you go to one of my best friends bands and I'm like, Jesus Christ. Almighty God. Yeah. And that was but the butthole surfers, Mike. He was in the butthole surfers. I didn't know that. Yes. <laughs> for a, for well, a couple another, months. Just chalk up another one. Why don't you? <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> so, so, and that was, that was amazing because having you in the band brought back the idea that they could do the two drums again. Right. Yeah, two drums. Yeah, I played drums and and guitar. Yeah, 
That's right. crazy, man. And then, awesome. and then just a slew of things until, um, inevitably you ended up playing with Anthony and Flea and Chad. And then that ended and now you're in this other thing. And so I just feel like you've always trusted music in the universe, no matter how inexperienced you were or young you were and look at how it's all worked out and us sober people older guys try to control everything and live in fear and then we try to cover up that we're not living in fear and that we're not trying to control everything by talking about it in aa a lot you've 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 been pretty lucky to go from one thing to the other to the other to the other you just say yes well right but i also (laughs) at the same time i try to control everything and i and i you know, I, I am rather fearful about a lot of things too, but at the end of the day, I guess you, on some level, perhaps the most important thing, I, even though I try and control everything, I know that I have none, I guess. And I, there, there's many times where I've said yes to something and then freaked out and gone, what did I just say I would do multiple times I've done this. And then I just show up and I, I do it and, you know, it makes, and it, and it works, I guess. I, it, and it, and it, you know, Chili Peppers is one thing that playing with a couple other well, people that I thought I records, wasn't good enough. How many, re- so me and Kate, who's one of my oldest friends, who's now your manager, we were trying to go over what you've done. Like, I don't even think you know what you've done. How many I, records I wrote you've played my on? whole timeline on a receipt yesterday for him. For him? <laughs> yeah. <Nice>. Yeah. <laughs> Josh, do you think, because my kind of view of this is that Bob is so insightful on a lot of things and very uh, knowledgeable about recovery and talks recovery and stuff and has been, you know, you've been close to him so many years. I mean, have you gathered that knowledge from Bob? Well, I, I think Bob and I have always had a, a I mean, well, I mean, I think I've gathered a lot of, a lot from Bob and it's come since I've known him, but, you know, it, it happens in the absence when we'll talk. And we'll talk for an hour or talk for an hour and a half. Then I'll spend the next several years kind of thinking about what we spoke about. And, and, nice. and, and, and but likewise with writing and, and his music and how he writes. And when I was playing with Bob, we, I, I did not have the same kind of the same kind of uh, uh, relationship with what Bob does and what do, Bob does brilliantly. So it's, and it's such a lucky place for me to have started. And, you know, that's basically all I'm obsessed with doing now is doing what Bob does. So nice. the fact that I learned that I was with a guy and was fighting against it just because just be, by dint of the fact that I grew up not listening to lyrics in the same way. I was such a young person. I didn't, you know, I was I'm always sounds. surprised. You're not the first person. I'm always surprised of how many musicians don't really care about lyrics. <laughs> well, we're trying, we're, right. we're, we're trying to, t- well, I grew up in an age where you can understand what anyone said. <laughs> oh, and what bands would those be, my friend? <laughs> the ones that I'm, yeah. I know. The one you're currently in. <laughs> well, I have, I have songs that, that of, the, of the band that I'm currently in that I still don't know what they sang sometimes. There, well, oh, Mike, that's a good one. So, and and those that know know and, and I'm gonna tell you so now you know. So Josh plays in with Pearl Jam and he has and he's the opening band on and plural one. And and I just it's so crazy that you ended up there. It's so crazy and so beautiful. And that doesn't mean that some people who treated you badly are excused from their behavior. <laughs> but, but, but I don't think anyone treated me. Well, oh, oh, I, I, I thought you were talking about yourself. No. No. <laughs> no. So, so anyways, you ended up in your, wait a minute, Josh, you ended up in your favorite band at the right hand of your favorite singer. I mean, that's pretty fucking crazy. It is crazy. So crazy. tell this story of when you stole your mom's credit card. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, wait, I, uh, this what, would be on the verse tour, right? How old were you when verse came out? Uh, I just turned 14. 14. Are you ready actually, for this, Mike? That, 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 was, a, <laughs> that was a sanctioned trip. So when I saw them when Verses came out, that was we were al- I was allowed. So I flew up to a friend's house and then we went and saw them. But there what was another did, time where you not, were not allowed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what, what we did at that concert was actually we, we got backstage through another group of people that I, I knew. And 
pre-cell phone, I was just like, we're not leaving. We are not leaving. So we missed our ride and my friend's mother thought we had been abducted. So what, was a what did you do? What did you do backstage at Pearl Jam when you're 14? What did you I, do? Oh my God. I don't know. I, uh, uh, we, I just was looking in awe going, Oh, this is a band. This is a band. This is what a band does after a show. They hang out with stupid little kids. <laughs> did you walk around? Did you walk around? <laughs> oh no, it was very small backstage. It was the Greek theater in Berkeley. And, um, and, uh, I had run into some friends there who were in Nevada city, who were from Nevada city, California, which is a place that I've had friends in for years. And, uh, one of them, one of my friends, fathers was in super champ. So we, so he had, with the passes that he was given upon entry, we, he, he was allowed to go back. So we just kind of stuck together. Stuck behind there, him. They were going to kick out the little, little kids. people. Yeah. No, so and all the members of Pearl Jam just, uh, you know, I, they were so great to us. They all gave us their attention. And I remember asking some, some dorky questions and uh, yeah. No, it was, have it was you good. talked to them? Have you talked to them since you've been playing with them about that? Uh, about about that? that experience? A little bit, a little bit. I kind of a little bit. Um, so let me uh, let me tell you my experience. But I'll tell you the next the next one, which is the next the next one where we where we did steal money and fly to see them. Who did the, it, Brian I, and you? No, no, my friend Lauren and I. Lauren Lauren passed away when we were nineteen, but he and oh. I he and I. Uh, we, I, I, it wasn't a credit card. It was a bank book. Cause back then you could buy tickets in cash at the airport. And so I went, <laughs> I found, I had my, found my sister's bank book and she was a kid at the time. So she didn't need it. So I went <laughs> with her bank book and, uh, and I drained the account and I, and we went and bought tickets at the airport. A friend who was already 16 took us to the airport and we went up and saw the Neil Young bridge school benefit program play. Neil oh, Young I didn't play. know it was that show that <laughs> yeah, you went that. up there. Yeah. Well, who, play, who else played? Ministry, ministry. Um, they played an amazing version of Lay Lady Lay that day. Oh, um, Mazzy Star. Uh, yeah, wow. who else? Yeah, it was really good. And then, and then uh, we slept in the airport and came back on the first flight. We were home in LA by uh, back then. The Southwest Airlines had flights every hour, so we were yeah. home by like eight in the morning. And, and uh, your mom didn't know that you no one gone? knew until he died until my friend lauren died and then after he was dead and we were 19 i said you know what we did a couple years ago <laughs> <laughs> so i'm going to tell you my story at the famous sammy hagar weekend concert that that i wrote the song about uh everybody you know the the there's different kind of uh, I've, I've been drunk, so I've said different things. But the real concert it was, was Sammy Hager was the opening band when he had the Red Album. Then second was Van Halen on Van Halen 2. Wow. Then third was this new reunion post. I mean, I think Ronnie James Dio was still the singer. But for a summer, Black Sabbath went out with Ozzy singing. And I think they didn't talk to each other. Right? Because... Ronnie James Dio wasn't the, they could get more money if, if Ozzy was the singer. So I, I believe in like 77 or 78, they only played like eight shows with Ozzy singing. And the headliner was Boston. The band Boston <laughs> oh, was wow. the headliner at Angel Stadium, dude. How crazy is that? Over Sabbath and wow. over Van Halen. So, I swear to God, same thing happened. I was pushed to the front. It got really crazy during Sabbath, and I got, I got pushed over the fence. And you know how the, you've played a lot of concerts where that's happening in front of you, and you know how security is. They just kind of, if there's not enough security, they just kind of tell the kid to run that way, right? Like go that way, right? <laughs> so yeah. they just tell me this. They pull me over. There's only one guy there, and there's another guy to the left. And he, the guy just tells me, go that way. And so I started walking that way. And one way went back to the crowd. And one way, one way went backstage. And nobody was watching. I just went backstage. And I was backstage at that concert. And after Black Sabbath was done, I sat in catering with Geezer Butler, having, ha having food. And I just did whatever he did. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> like he ordered food. And I walked behind him and I ordered food. I think they thought I was his son. <laughs> <laughs> and i just I, that was my first backstage experience i was 16 it was just like what the f 
fuck is this? This is the world I want to live in where there's food all the time and people and girls with bikini tops. This is great. (laughs) (laughs) Mike, do you have any stories of getting backstage? What's your first backstage? I don't really. I I always got thrown out. (laughs) You know what I mean? I used to go to the cuckoo's nest, right? And every time I went to the cuckoo's nest, within half of the set, I was thrown out the back door of the cuckoo's nest. They just, you know what I mean? They had me pegged. Every club I went to, they were like, there's that drunk guy again. There's did that you guy see, that's going to There's some funny image about getting thrown out the back door of the cuckoo's nest, like, like, yeah, yeah. like an actual cuckoo club. Yeah. Started fights, you know, started fights, did whatever. I don't know, you know, peed in the corner and they'd catch me and I'd throw, they'd throw me out, you know, just something stupid. I ran the spotlight at the cuckoo's nest in 79. I got $15 to sit up in the very top and just keep the spotlight on the singer right it was like local bands like the crowd and dolphins and uh, you know the popsicles and all these bands that were around in in huntington beach and orange county right and not the cool ones not like vandals and social distortion i was like wednesday night power pop night but for some reason the main spotlight guy the the ramones played on a weekday And It's Alive had come out, the live Ramones record. And I remember Jerry Roach said, you're going to you're going to work tomorrow because I would just always hang out there and then hope hopefully get my Wednesday night thing. And the Ramones were so big, but they were going to pay Jerry back to play a show there. And it was a weekday. I ran the spotlight on the Ramones with Didi Ramone in it on Joey. I was on the spotlight when the (laughs) It's Alive album came out. Yeah, that was one of the and that highlights wasn't highly of my technical. Life. It was probably just a big giant flashlight that you shined at the stage too. <laughs> but you it know was what, hot. Bob, do you, remember? you felt like it could catch on fire. It was yeah, so probably hot. yeah, so old. Um, so Bob, you remember spats, right? Another, yes, another yes. incident was as I just walked out of the front door and I turned like I walked maybe two steps down the wall on that brick wall there, and I just started peeing on the wall and I got arrested. <laughs> so you know, so Mike. Mike 16, you were well advanced. You know why, Josh? Mike is 50% Native American. Not many people know that. Yeah. Does that, that does that mean yeah, you have a harder that, time tolerating yeah, alcohol? Yeah. Oh, no. yeah. Oh, yeah. No, it does. it doesn't. <laughs> There's that's like not, a That's 50, a stereotype. So, is that, that's that, is not, that not true, though? That's it's true, not. Mike. It's not true. It's re- it's well, kind of a stereotype. Only, well, doc, because, wait a minute. Wait a minute. The ultimate authority says it's true. Doctor Drew says it's true. Yeah, but you could say that. <laughs> you could say that about um, African Americans, and you gr- would be right. That African Americans grow up in the ghetto drinking, you know, the Colt forty five. That's a stereotype. No, it's not the only true. no, the only thing I have to say about this is that is that um, I, I and I'll get my science wrong here, but there was I I always thought that there was I read that once that there was something about certain i guess certain groups of natives that don't have the 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 uh, a certain the amino right, acid yeah. that helps yes. that helps break down alcohol and i read it when i was going to greenland up and and they said so when you walk around greenland don't be shocked at the amount of amputees you will see and i was like what Whoa. and it said because native because natives in this area don't have they they lack the type of amino acid that helps deal with alcohol and in the winter when there's nothing to do up here and it's dark all day, there's a lot of drinking and people stumble home and pass out in the snow and have to lose limbs. And I was like, there's there's no way that's true. There's no way that's true. And sure enough, (laughs) I I went, I went up there and it is true. I can attest. There is lots of amputees walking around and it's for that. But I mean, you get drunk and fall asleep in the snow, regardless of your ethnicity. But I, I, I had always heard that. That I had always heard that that uh, that certain, certain I, 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 well, listen, people us, d- don't deal with it. Don't deal with it as well. Us American Indians call that a white myth. Wow. <laughs> okay. Well, that's good. I, I don't mean to be culturally stereotypical. Well, well no, we're not trying to stereotype. I, I believe it. Well, I just know because I've been on. What tribe are you, Mike? You're from Ch- uh, Oklahoma, I'm from the Chickasaw, right? Chickasaw. Chickasaw. Yeah. So, what is the one that's in Gallup, New Mexico? What tribe is that? I don't know. I okay, have no so idea. I had a friend 
who was the drug and alcohol specialist on the reservation there, just west of Gallup, there's a reservation. And I went there and it it's pretty harsh that, you know, what was popular was inhalants. Mike, were you ever into inhalants? Well, you, Bob, you got to realize that they're stuck on reservations. I mean, what else are you going to do? You're in a mud hut <laughs> in a fucking, you know, on a reservation. I mean, this is like, you know, this is changing. The, uh, my, yeah. My tribe is like flourishing, you know, and uh, uh, they then, own eyeglass companies. That's great, they own, Mike. They, I didn't they know. Own, I never knew that. Yeah, yeah they Mike, own uh, chocolate Mike, factories. They stay away from casinos. They stay away from casinos, but they but they do have a couple now because they know that gambling creates addiction and you know blah blah. And it's not a reservation; it's a nation. You know, it's a nation of people within a I nation know. of people. So, so let me tell you this, Josh. So when Mike gets fed up and he's had enough of all the bullshit of of show business, he always says, I'm just going to chuck it and take the kids to the reservation. That's what no, you the nation, Bob. <laughs> there do. is no more reservation, Bob. Is it? It's not <laughs> no, called No, it's that? not a reservation. It's a nation, the Chickasaw Nation. There's five civilized tribes that have nations, and they're recognized by the government. And, and where, where, in, where in Oklahoma is it based? Uh, where is the nation in Oklahoma? It's up north, in the northern part. Yeah. So Josh, connection to Oklahoma. Let's talk about. Let's talk. What are you going to do on Friday, Josh? I want to know what the heck you're going to do. I uh, well, like, I'm going to play. I'm going to play some songs, but I, I uh, I'm only bringing that into focus right now i i uh i had yesterday because i drove back home on monday so monday was kind of a lost day so yesterday uh i was um supposed to sort of be practicing here at home just getting it together in my mind and then today i'm supposed to gather up the equipment that i want to use and i'm a little behind <laughs> so Josh has been in the Bicycle Thief and Beck and, and PJ Harvey and Butthole Surfers and the Chili Peppers and now Pearl Jam, but he's always made his own music that, that went under the moniker Dot Hacker for years and now it's Plural One. And he's one made word. how many albums? How many albums have you made? Like eight, I think. Like, well, you, you release a lot of EPs and they're not even EPs. They only have two songs on it. That's kind of unfair. Well, that's a single. <laughs> That's a seven <laughs> single. Um, well, on a phone, you can't really tell what it is. Can, yeah, no, no. There's four. How there's many four records dogs. have you released on your own as as under those two monikers? Uh, six. Six albums. So, yeah. in the culmination of that, you're now getting focused. You didn't know you were going to end up playing in Pearl Jam. So you now, but you've been focusing on Plural One, and you made the Mother's Nature song, right? That's the song from a few weeks, months ago, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's an album, too. That's an EP. That that has, a, like, four B-sides, yeah, and, okay. and two, two new versions. Yeah. You, and, you and Kate's talk of these B-sides. To me, they're just the songs that are, you know, and Our Monster has a lot of that are not an album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, I come from that, <laughs> that, that era where, you know, you called up you know the virgin megastore and asked about import cd singles you know like i, I was all about the b-sides and the the extra songs well, let me tell you how it used to work when you didn't have enough songs you called it an ep <laughs> the first chili mm. pepper record is an ep by the way <laughs> <laughs> now are you playing, are you playing is- songs off of i don't feel well yeah, yeah, I'll play. I'm playing a couple off the a couple off the first one, and that I don't feel well album was a total uh, surprise. That was, you know, I'd made the first one uh, kind of over a long period of time when I was when I had a little time off here and there, uh, writing the the Chili Pepper album that I was working on that didn't get made, uh, and then that came out November twenty second of. 19 and then i left the band a month later and then the world shut down a little little a little while after that so then i just made the second one during the pandemic yeah um and and and, so uh, what is this song that has the don pardo the the don pardo inspired what's the name (laughs) of that song that's barreling that's the first are you gonna play that song song? uh well i was originally thinking i would play that song and then um and then uh a wonderful guy called Rich Best. Do you know Rich Best? He's the he he does Ohana with with Eddie and Smitty. He's he's guy. I think I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, great guy. He sort of made a couple of requests, which really you know, which really I um, made a request and you said no fucking way. What which are you one? talking about? 
Which one? <laughs> I told you yesterday. Which one? It's the eighth song, the one that I like so oh, much. I didn't say no fucking way. I just said that'd be hard because that one's got real drums and Eric well, you're, Avery you're, bass and my friend I've Eric known you for 25 years since you were 17 years old. That's your nice way of saying no fucking way. <laughs> well, right, right, at right. this point, well, I guess, okay, so I'll be honest. That one would be hard for me to learn and remember. I'll, I, I already started putting together what I had, but I'll I'll play that for you. I'll call you up and play it over the phone. Okay. Hey, Josh, so, can, I, can I ask, Josh, how, how is this all going to work? You're gonna, are you going to use loops, and then are you going to jump from instruments to, like, was it complicated to get, like, if you're playing piano and guitar on one song, will you jump from piano and during the loop jump to guitar well originally when i was going to open for those guys when i was open for pearl jam on the arena tour last march april uh, i had built this ridiculous setup this, uh, with that involved lots of looping looping that didn't necessarily sync with each other it was going to be a mess but at yeah. first i was thinking who cares i'm just gonna go up and have fun like if i make up songs on the spot i'll sing my lyrics over whatever music it'll be fun and down in la when i was getting it together it was it was fun then once i got to seattle and i was focusing on their rehearsals and really trying to burn their songs into my mind and remember yes. the lyrics that i was singing and i was rehearsing at a new place and it, it, everything was a little different up there it was great and i the the uh, place i was rehearsing was such a such a godsend for me uh but i started to have tons of fear that i would be up on these arena stages for the first time in my life and everything could go wrong and i well started to wait a minute wait a minute I'll, I'll show you how it is were you at radiohead at coachella like five years ago no, but I watched it from my bed in Berlin. I was in Berlin. Mike, watching okay, that. so Mike, you probably don't know this. Radiohead has now become so... It's not <clears> that they're not playing. They are playing, but they're so dependent on this, the foundation of their song that plays through a laptop, and the laptop crashed right oh, yeah. in the middle of their set at Coachella yeah. in front of 150,000 people. Yeah. I thought and it there was, was the front of house rig. Didn't it, wasn't no, it, just... it, it stopped. Well, they and then I was by the soundboard and watching them trying to restart the computer and reset the thing. Yeah, it was the front of house. <laughs> it was the sound desk, the digital sound desk that crashed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what crashed. It wasn't Radiohead actually played for ages, not even knowing that no one could hear them. They were up there for <laughs> playing, <laughs> and then and, and then they had they threw them off. But, so what? I I'm not technically knowledgeable. So what is playing through the front of the house computer? So oh, nothing. It's yeah. Oh, Mike, Mike, explain. So Bob, the 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 boards nowadays are are very uh, extensive, and they have like monitors, and they have computers on board, and everything like and that. Digital. And something can go wrong. You know, anything can go wrong. And there's a lot of lot of shouldn't there boards be a backup there. when there's 150,000 people standing yes, in a field? They should have, <laughs> they should, yeah. And that's exactly <laughs> what they employ. It, that's exactly what they did after that. <laughs> no, I saw them. They were waiting for no, this computer to I'm turn back like on. Concerts after that, they started having a whole backup system, a whole backup oh, board kidding. tapped in to just jump to. Yes. So, Josh, you're going to make it more organic and less loops when you play this. It's yeah, this Friday. Yeah. I don't want to scare Friday. you, but it's in 48 hours, Josh. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> Yeah, no, and this I, is I, your I, world debut of of you by yourself. I'm so I know, excited. I know, yeah, and, and yeah, yeah, it's quite it's going to be so great. It's going to yeah, be great. Gonna be fun. I, the thing is, my it's just a funny thing. I mean, and, and I guess this is this is the life I lead, so there's no complaints. But I've never played by myself longer than the length of Harry Nilsson's. Uh, what's the song I played in L.A.? Um, Oh, I can't remember the name right now, of course. Uh, yeah. Fuck played... you, the fuck you song? No, I played the Harry Nilsson song. Um... So to me, because I, I feel like you're a godfather or something. I don't know. Who is your godfather? Can I be it at 41 years old? Can I yeah. be that? Should I talk to your parents about it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so to me, Neil Young, me and Brendan Mullen went and saw Neil Young at the Greek Theater I don't know, a few years before he died. And we both said it's one of the greatest concerts we were ever at. And he had a little piano. It looked like an upright piano, but it was a, it was a computer's piano inside it, right? Yeah. Then he had another grand piano 
Then he had all his acoustic guitars. Then he had all his electric guitars. And he just fluidly, and it seemed like, because we were in the very front row, because it was Brendan Mullen, and it seemed like he didn't even have a set list. He kind of just walked from one thing to the other, whatever inspired him. And it was the most amazing concert I ever been to. But, you know, it's, it takes a lot of balls. That's all I It does. Say. No, I know. <laughs> And, and, and that, uh, that's kind of what I'm doing just without as probably as much time <laughs> and as not as much balls. <laughs> so did you see that tour? Did you see that tour? Yeah. Did you see it? Yeah. Uh-huh. What was inside the piano? Cause I could see that it wasn't a real upright piano. It was well, not. I'm trying to think cause I've seen him a few times, but he, cause he does tour with the piano from, uh, after the Hard, gold rush uh, from gold after the gold rush right it, yeah that was on one side and then there was another thing that had a fake piano inside it i don't know right why. well that that's just kind of like yeah, i guess you'll use a digital piano and then you'll build something around it to house it to make it look more like a real piano right yeah, but he also right, had a exactly. organ and he had you know eight acoustic guitars or something <laughs> Did you see yeah. that the greek were you at the greek theater here in la did you see it it was the yeah, most amazing the thing that's the one I'm talking about. It was, it was like you felt. This is what this is what music can do, and we often just talk too technically about music. Music can make life worth living. When me and Brendan were walking out of there, we were changed and ready to persevere on in the misery of existence <laughs> because people like Neil Young inspire you to just, you know, the world isn't as as you see it, he he opens it up to you. But it, and it's, if you it's feel so, those, if you can feel those feelings uh, that that he that he made you feel that night, I mean that's there's there's I guess there's nothing else like that, right? There is nothing like music, and, and that is and, the attraction between Bob Forrest and Plural One, right there, Josh Klinghoffer. <laughs> yeah. That is the connection right there that I was talking about. You well, know, Bob's on some level, love you would think and that knowledge every, of music. Uh, and some level, you think that everyone's doing drugs to to try and get there, right? To try and right, they, they, accom- it is drugs do drugs. Hey, he's get, he's onto something, Mike. Drugs are kind of a veiled attempt at what Neil Young can create. Yeah, I mean, whatever <laughs> that feeling was when you were walking out of that Neil Young show with Brendan, and then sharing it with Brendan, and then tapping into the history you have with Brendan, whatever all, all that unspoken magical energy right there in that sense is what I, people I, are doing, what they're searching for when they're <laughs> doing drugs. But I love the human component to it. So Brendan, like Paul T, like you, like you, you've been in this position. I've been in this position where you have a pecking order for your, for your, like, uh, I had, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, no, not guess list, but (laughs) like you had Dodger tickets for years. Well, no, Josh had Dodger tickets for years and was always out of town with the chili peppers. So I'm sure there was a list of people and you just like text somebody. Do you want this ticket? Oh, I can't go. Okay. And the second and third. I think I was always, I, I felt good that I was in the top five of Brendan because not only did he take me to that Neil Young show, he took me to public, uh, public enemy, uh, and, and public enemy fear of a black planet. And it was the same tickets. They must've been Nederlander tickets in the front and Chuck D on the line. It's a black thing. You've got to understand, you know, that from public enemy, it's a black thing. You've got to understand. He said it and he looked right at me like two feet from my face because I was the only white face. <laughs> Your it face doesn't a... whiter than Brendan. <laughs> I know, but Brendan, I don't know why you didn't turn to Brendan. He was like, why me, Chuck D? Why me? So, uh, so, but that, that the experiences I had with Brendan is what I'm getting to. Just to be around him, he's just, he was just always knowledgeable and witty and funny and full of life and and to go with him to a concert yeah it's a very special thing it's a very special thing right and i wanted to tell this story so i had an extra dodger ticket last night i the first person i offered to was pete weiss he couldn't go second to kate's he couldn't go third to elijah he couldn't go fourth to frenchy he couldn't go fifth to kenny he couldn't go no one could use this ticket and they wow. always complain. How come you never take me to Dodger games? <laughs> you noticed, Josh, I wasn't on that list. Yes, I, I was. No, 
No, Mike, Mike. You, Mike, it was seven o'clock. The game starts at seven <laughs> ten. I was driving there. You're not going to drive from Long Beach there. I know you. <laughs> Yeah. I only <laughs> call people that live within Dodger Stadium 10 minute radius. You're just afraid I'm going to talk about podcasts during baseball. <laughs> oh, God. Mike, <laughs> you guys should do one live from the ravine. No, I don't think just there's going to be many games left. I was there last night. I'm watching the giant scoreboard. They're up six to one when I fucking sit down. I'm like, oh my God, what's the point of being here? I drove <laughs> yeah, I all this go way <laughs> and the Giants are going to fucking win, so it doesn't matter. So we're going to probably be in a one-game playoff with St. Louis Cardinals, who, as of this morning, have won 17 games in a row. Bye-bye, Dodgers. Yeah. <laughs> the St. Louis um, is the one we're going to play in the playoff game. Do you know that, Josh? Are you oh, following I, I, your... I've been busy the last couple of weeks. Yeah. <laughs> <And> I... <laughs> Hey Josh, I want to know about your prat your rehearsal space. Like when you grab your like when you rehearse for your plural one, is it in a big is it a big nice where like a nice rehearsal facility? And you talked about going to Seattle. What's that? What are those well, places I, like that, that well, you rehearse the, the, with them? The one the one here is this warehouse that I've rented a couple of years ago. That the minute I walked in the door, I envisioned having a, a music setup and a studio someday. Right. But I never I never built a studio because I was always touring and I was never home. And I felt like it was it was. Let's a, build one in there. I'll help well, you. I have now. I have now. It's actually it's up and running as of a month ago and nice. and, um, and I haven't even used it yet. I have some friends in there right now testing it out while I was away this week, but I haven't used right. it yet. Um, so I have that now. So that's where I rehearsed last year. And I was able to set up this big kind of rig that I'll send you a picture of Mike okay. from last year. Nice. Um, that was so ridiculous. And then when I went up to Seattle, um, Duff McKagan very, very sweetly and kindly gave me his studio that he has up in, in Seattle as he was he wasn't using it and it, it was exactly what I needed a big empty room with a PA and um, yeah I I, uh, I was oh, so grateful cool. but, but the thing cool. was I was rehearsing with Pearl Jam so I'd go and I'd work with those guys until about you know dinner time six seven and then I would go up north you know just to the U district and uh, and try and you know I was exhausted and you know I was like try and work till 10 or 11 at night and you know, just whatever it is, my mood, I was sort of starting to get nervous about, oh, this could all really backfire. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, yeah, so then the tour got canceled or postponed, and I didn't have to do that, and I came to my senses about the setup. And ultimately, I mean, I think that's just some version of trying to hide, in a way. You bring all this shit, like, I'm going to I'm gonna have drums, and I'm going to have this. And, I, you know, really, and I learned this from Bob and many others, but, you know, my, my up-close front row seat with bob is that really all that's important is the song so you should go out and play your song and stand yeah. behind your song and a song if it's good doesn't even need another instrument you could go sing it acapella you know i don't I, you won't you won't catch me doing that on friday but i uh but you know really i'm not but think about how much you've learned. I've learned with you. So, Mike, I don't know if you know, the Bicycle Thief went on the United States tour opening for Chili Peppers. It's one of the hardest slots. It has, it has broken up bands. It has destroyed people's psyches, being the first band out of three opening for the Chili Peppers. And we did it for, what, seven months or something. We right? did it. Yeah, we did it a lot. We did it. Yeah. And and so when we first started, it didn't go so well. A great friend of ours was playing second guitar, Brett Nets, and he quit after three shows. <laughs> he's just like, I'm not getting shit thrown at me. Fuck this. <laughs> That's probably where so I then, developed my onstage uh, antics. <laughs> I yeah, never knew they were throwing gotta, shit at me because I didn't stay still long <laughs> enough to get hit. <laughs> yeah, you got to move around so the shit can't hit you. But... Uh, but this is like the Mars Volta used to get in wars with the audience and hardly play any songs. And then so, so sadly, Blonde Redhead, it was just the, the crowd is really rough on. You. So I'm mad at Flea after about the fifth show. And I'm like, because he stands by the side of the stage and watches us and then he doesn't fucking do anything. And I said, dude, you could just walk out and tell them to fucking stop and they'll stop. And he goes, Bobby, that's for you to learn how to figure it out. You and the kid need to figure it out. So but we were walking up the ramp. I don't know if you remember this, Josh. We were walking up the ramp, and you were playing a Pearl Jam song. or say, I think it was Pearl Jam. 
just to warm up. And it was going live through your amp out into the crowd and the crowd went nuts. Do you remember this? It wouldn't have been a Pearl Jam song, I don't think, was it? What I don't was know it? what it yeah, was. What I don't was it? Radiohead but it was song, something maybe? That, yeah, it was something the audience recognized, Mike. And he went, oh my God, fuck, it's going through that. And I said, no, 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 keep playing it. Let's walk out, <laughs> keep playing it, and get them on our side. <laughs> and then finally, Flea, after about the first leg of the tour, he said, Bobby, don't talk, don't stop. Right? And that was how we survived. We started, Josh started at keyboards playing the Twin Peaks theme. That's how we opened. Nice. Then we played seven songs in a row that one went right into the other. There was no break. There was no talking. Maybe there was one thing to catch our breath about at the 20-minute point. And we, and we just played everywhere in America, and the crowd didn't love us, but they didn't hate us either. And that was something you learned, Josh, when you were 19 years old, <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, it was my first, I mean, apart from touring with you in the Volvo, um, that was my first <laughs> touring experience. So I, I'm having a grand time, grand old time. Oh, that's so it. great, man. <laughs> but we did, we got really good at being the opening band, which is for them, which is a hard, hard slot. So when you were in the band, were you sympathetic to the, the opening band? Did you try to cheer them up? And give oh, well, them some of pointers? course, of course. But we never, they, in my time, and I don't even think, I don't think since you and I did it, they've never had a third opening band. That was, oh, really? That was just then for some reason. I don't know why. It was like, maybe it was a way to make either the Foo Fighters or the Stone Temple Pilots not feel like they were the opener, <laughs> you know? <laughs> So, Mike, get, get this. We opened for, it was us, then the Foo Fighters, and the Chili Peppers. Who's yeah, the odd then, band out? And Who's then the odd band then, out oh, there, Mike? Oh, <laughs> my God. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But well, it, was, you know, it was great. I mean, those guys... And that's how you learn so much, being the underdog, you know? You you go out and you, and, you know, uh, you say, yeah, I'll play that gig, you know? Even oh, though yeah, you know it was... it's going to go exactly that way, you still do that because, you know, that's the Don way real Muller, musicians and real Don creators Don is the do booking it. agent, and he, I think he was shocked how long we lasted because no band lasts three legs of a tour it's doing a very, that slot. It's a, very, it's a very punk ethic, you know, that we grew up with. You know, yeah, we'll go out there and fucking kill it. Yeah, that's what we did. I mean, it was very, you know, it, it just felt like, you know, in the in the grand, in the yeah. big, in the large picture of it, we were giving the crowd what 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 they should have got. You know? I know Josh has to go at, <laughs> at, at an hour, so so we're getting close. But um, uh, Josh, I want to ask you the, on this on the ohana festival specifically what what did you discover like in artists did you know mac demarco any of the new bands and stuff that you made a connection with that you were like wow that is killing it man uh sadly um i have wound up again in the headline act and i or not sadly but sadly for the in the for the purpose of watching other bands so i kind of i don't come as early as i should to watch other things because i was at home practicing Got and on the, on, the, on the eddie solo nights i was in my room kind of just going through the piano songs and really tweaking my digital keyboard and perfecting the well sounds let's let's stuff. be honest Can you I, guys eddie better eddie better is lou gehrig and then it turns out Josh Klinghoffer is Cal Ripken because <laughs> Eddie is playing five times over two weekends. Josh is playing six times over two weekends. Eddie, Eddie six. If I'm seven, Eddie six. But I got to tell okay. you, I, I am like completely blown away that Eddie took the spot, you know, when when Kings of Leon dropped out and Eddie jumped in there and he was just, you guys were just so amazing on Thursday. You were, Josh, and then, and then let's, Friday, let's praise, let's you praise were him for so a second, amazing. Mike. The second Eddie show was fucking amazing. That Glenn guy is fucking amazing. Yeah, Glenn's incredible. Yep, Glenn is amazing. Like, people were lucky. I felt like, because I was in that thing where you saw me, where you can see mostly the audience. That audience was, knew they were lucky to be seeing that. It was amazing. Yeah, and was so, amazing. so, and how many overlapping songs? So people need to know at home. So first pretenders couldn't tour, right? And so Eddie and you said, we'll play that slot, right? I think. Because you're playing back-to-back -back nights as the headliner. That was crazy. Yeah, my morning jacket played a little extra. So our set on Friday wasn't as long. You but know, you were already covering somebody who wasn't playing. And then you covered when Kings and Leon, sadly, their mother died and they had to cancel a few days before. So you played two nights 
and you couldn't play the same songs. And I think Corduroy, how many songs overlap? Corduroy, I'm, I'm one, which I'm one is great. I was watching Chad. He's like, I am Keith Moon for four minutes, dude. Yeah. That's what <laughs> so good. Um, yeah, not too many songs overlapped. We added a couple. We learned a Kings of Leon song. We played another Pearl Jam song called Long Road, which was one of my favorites. And, you know, so, it, yeah, we, 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 we didn't do a ton of overlap. You didn't night. overlap. And I thought... Because we I didn't thought... play Pretenders the first night. You know how cynical I am. I thought, okay, this is going to be pretty much the set from last night. And it was amazing and way better and then the clash thing was the greatest thing ever that was yeah, the greatest that was thing awesome ever. yeah on the, that was really the electric ukulele how come you didn't yeah. do josh you missed the spot you got to do the joe summer spanish speaking part you know what because well, i had them printed out and they didn't find their way to the stage and i'm not blaming <laughs> anyone but i did it on thursday or i did it on saturday because we sound checked the thursday before the, we had a sound check and what are the and words I had da, 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 da. Yeah. yeah well i think eddie was telling me this i i don't know um but i think they're basically what mix is but in spanish yeah 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 uh, so the first line ends in the word molesta i don't know i i think what what's the this is what what is this fella should i stay or should i go so does go in the molesta? third verse in the third verse is is this who's here uh, if you don't want me set me free da, na, 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 I, na, na, yeah so i had them printed out and then when the push came to shove i felt like it was disrespectful to just fake spanish <laughs> yeah so i so that's right but i had to print it out on the first night and i did it kind of that's all right yeah all right well we'll all be there don't feel any pressure but we'll all be there <laughs> well i know i know well oh my god you could only make it better i mean i uh yeah i i really you know i love you both i've known you guys for so long and i you know i feel Thank like you at this point in my life i i have finally kind of maybe sort of kind of learned that you know being nervous and having all that is is you know you you can it's you know as much as you can you can have a you can have a choice not to feel that way and you can just you know just tr all you can do is your best you can't be anything other than what you're going to be Chrissy always yeah. asks me when I'm uh, doing something like, are you nervous? Because, you know, she's not a public person. I was like, no, it's just like, uh, no, I'm not nervous I, because I've accepted that I'm kind of a fuck up. You still haven't accepted that, Josh. About <laughs> Sometimes you're going to fuck up. It's all <laughs> Eddie. Eddie does it fluidly. He tells the audience, oh, I fucked up. I got to start over. Like, that's how you got to be. You got to get to that Eddie better place where when you fuck up, you tell the audience. And you just do it. <laughs> and they don't I agree. Care. They love it. I yeah. agree, but it's a hard thing to do on your first performance. <laughs> right, right. You're going to be great, Josh. If Thank I you. sold millions of records and had the crowd hanging on every word that I did, I would be right there. But that when I feel like you got half of the audience going, this fucking guy again i'm sick of this fucking guy with that stupid face and that fucking name there go your insecurities yep there oh yeah go. yeah yeah so uh, but, uh, josh thank you so much thank man, you for so jumping much on. josh and we'll see oh, you of course in... I, I i was actually uh shocked i hadn't done it already yeah yeah so thanks let for me, asking yeah, let me, me just make it. you more nervous so it's five hours <laughs> you are you are 53 hours away from stage right now sir 53 hours well what's, <laughs> what's great is that i was on us you know i was i played uh you know four times already so it's, it's I, I i'm i'm somewhat used to being there at least well all you, hey josh all you have to do is look up and to your left right and me and bob and our families all of us will be up on that platform oh, okay yelling, well, going, yes thank you and I'll, I'll give you a walkthrough of my equipment mike and then but also i'll have to say is that ohana is such a beautiful festival and the it setting is, and the isn't place. it isn't and, it so and, great and they've all done such a great job and the people there and the thing that this that, is not that bullshit the, people need it, to know this is not bullshit you and i don't yeah. really bullshit it we, is no. one of the nicest things to go to I didn't know until I went that that third. It was like the fifth day I've ever been at it that those back bleachers are right on the beach. I know because right I always yeah. go at night. Yeah, Mike, yeah, it's yeah. crazy there. I know. I've seen it. It's. I mean, I've been there two two years now. And yeah. when I when I was walking out, there's like 
three or 400 people just sitting on the beach with blankets listening and then they didn't have to pay. It's so cool. Yeah, uh, Eddie and Smitty and Rich and all the people who put this show on have done is just an amazing accomplishment, and they should all. They should how all many have they done now? How, the ma- how many? Five. This is the si- yeah, oh, it's the, the fifth. fifth. It's the fifth because they yeah. had to take last year off. That was right. the craziest deja vu I've, I've ever experienced because I headlined the last one with with. Oh, I know that was yeah. crazy. Yeah, so I, I wore. Oh, this is same, like I wore the same shoes. I wore the same. I wore the same shoes that I wore. Just for myself and my own enjoyment, I wore the same shoes, um, which were a pair of shoes that Ed gave me as a thank you for the Chili Peppers playing. I wore those at Ohana two years ago. So I wore them on stage with Pearl Jam on Sunday. And I wore this sweatshirt that Anthony bought me while we were rehearsing a couple years ago, just as a sort of energetic shout out to the world and, and uh, i was and there was, for that i was there for that chili peppers uh, show you were amazing you were just yeah. it was a really good show it, it was, was super fun good. it was I fun we it. played the cars i lost yeah, my voice cars, getting that's people what in. i remember like that, <laughs> did, that, did eddie come out and play with you yeah, he, yeah he, sang and, he sang the cars he sang the car song and he danced and that guy i don't know he's just a special human he is just free of any kind of worrying what people think of him. <laughs> I love it, man. I love it. <laughs> he dances. He dances just as nerdy as I did when I was like 18 at, at Seven Seas. He does not care. He's just free. Eddie Vedder nice. is free. And and it's I'm so happy you guys are hooked up. So we'll see what the rest of the week brings. But 53 hours, Josh. And but we, we should actually Friday. we should do a post game. So next week, let's get on. <laughs> yeah, we'll wrap it up. <laughs> yeah. we'll wrap it up. Okay. That's yeah. perfect. All right, wrap yeah. it up. I'll uh, see you uh, guys yeah. on, in a couple days. All I right, love I love you. you guys. I love you both. Hey, Don't thank die, you, Josh. people. All right, see you later. Bye bye. All right, bye.